We all have to stick together. We never like to get too high, never like to get too low. Knowing it's just about working ourselves, that's the only way to do it. No extra yelling, screaming. We all know that we all want to win. And if we stick together, we'll be in great shape. But if we don't, it's not going to happen by one person. Hello, everyone, and thank you again for joining me on another episode of the Richard Listens podcast. It is I, Richard Oldberger, clinical psychologist. Happy to have you with me today. Uh, And I am so proud to have one of my old colleagues, friends, teammates, and current Division I basketball coach, Mr. David Duke, with me uh, today of Adelphi University. Uh, without further ado, introducing you to Mr. David Duke. He was named the head coach of the men's basketball program in 2014, and he enters his, uh, I believe this is ninth season. He's led a program turnaround. He's posted a pair of winning seasons after they had recorded a series of consecutive losing campaigns. He has um, appeared in the Northeast 10 tournament, he has four players have become 1,000-point scorers under Duke's direction, and four have earned all-net status. Prior to Adelphi, David Duke spent four years at Fordham and was associate head coach in his final two years. He helped the Rams to appearance in the Atlantic 10 Championship and was instrumental in recruiting Atlantic 10 and all-met rookie of the year, John Sevier, who, went, who set the Fordham freshman scoring record. Duke began his coaching career as a graduate institute, uh, a graduate coaching career as a graduate assistant at Hofstra University, where I grew up being a camper, and he worked under Coach Jay Wright, uh, who later went on to coach Villanova in the national championship. Uh, he's an integral member of the staff at Hofstra. He helped the Pride become one of the top programs in the region and was part of two NCAA tournaments in 2000, 2001, and four NIT National Invitation tournaments. He's also my teammate from when we played basketball as kids, David Duke, on being an athlete, being a coach at the division level, and being a lifelong learner. So I was telling the audience we were teammates when we were 16 years old, and, um, you know, I've never seen a game end on an over-the-back call. <laughs> Actually, it did happen. It did happen to Fairleigh Dickinson this year, who made the NCAA tournament by a fluke, by the way. They actually lost their uh, their conference championship on an over-the-back call as well to Mary Mack. Did it lead? I, I didn't see the game. Did it lead to a to a one-and-one, one and then the guy made the shot? It's exactly what happened, and uh, the trauma all came back of how we lost that game on a one-on-one. And, and then Mary Mack didn't make the tournament because they weren't qualified yet. So that's how our Cinderella, Fairly Dickinson. Exactly. It's amazing, right? It's amazing. But, yeah, that loss, that loss to this day is one of, if not the worst loss. Ending. That was just, the ending was just awful just because it just had no significance, you know? I mean... Let the game I, think the ref, I think the ref had plans. He, like, ran out of there. He was like, I'm not staying here any longer. I see where this is going. That's it. Exactly. All right, guys. I have to go. I have dinner reservations, and, and, we, need to, and we need to get there. I'm not going into an overtime game. That's it. <laughs> 
little, little did they know that the, the people that were affected remember everything down to the down to the most minute detail of the of the whole thing. Ah, brutal. It's such, such a special thing, you know, youth basketball and this combination of like really serious competition versus like you know this life altering experience where you get to travel in our case to Maryland and meet people from all over the country. In fact, I believe I've met players who played on the team from Los Angeles. Now that I live in Los Angeles. We, yes, you're, you're right. Actually, we, if we wound up playing, I remember this, we wound up playing DC in the bronze game, but the Los Angeles team played Long Island, uh, played Suffolk in the gold game. So we did, we did see that Los Angeles was there. In fact, there was a, a team from Israel that was there. But it was great that that experience and i was we were only that was the only team we were on together which was just a great story you coming from long island me coming from queens to go play on the team in the bronx um but what a great what a great experience that was one of the one of my most enjoyable experiences of all time and i've often used that i even talked about it in uh, the zero method my book because you meet coaches i mean obviously those are volunteer coaches or if they're paid it's you know, uh, really not for their livelihood. And the team chemistry, you know, we were really all in, you know, one through 10. And some games you played and some games you didn't, um, you know, at least for me. And yet you really wanted to see everybody succeed and win when you're having that winning kind of formula. Um, so I don't know if winning is a part of that. I don't know if it's just enjoying or the coaches not having this kind of ego, but I've often compared that to my high school coaches who were just like chain smoking and screaming and throwing clipboards. <laughs> I, I think I remember, I, honestly, I think in that, because there were other coaches on the same, in the same tournament that we were, that were, were doing that. I think we were fortunate that we had, we had really good coaches on the sideline that were, that were, that were on us, but they were letting us, play and just enjoying ourselves too. <laughs> I think their method was uh, was more of a, a calm one. That's right. So how do you find your style, Coach Duke? So you played, uh, is it Christ the King? Where did you go to high school? Cardozo. Cardozo, J.P. Cardozo. Yeah, so super, super competitive high school. Guys coming out to the NBA, guys from uh, N1, right? You got... The professor. Yeah. Yeah. So, how do you how do you find your style when you're from these intense environments, uh, and you yourself playing at a very high level? Uh, how do you, how do you develop and find how you're going to be as a coach? You know, I, I think what winds up happening is is as the games kind of go on, you you, you kind of form your identity. So, I, I was early on, I was fortunate that in my coaching career, you know, I worked for Jay Wright, who, who gave me my first job. Uh, Hall of Fame coach and just an incredible coach. Um, but it was, it's really, I find myself very often that I, I didn't, my, my high school coach really was intense and, you know, he was a, a yeller and a screamer. And I, I didn't perform my best in that, in that environment, right? To, to that kind of coaching style. So I also find myself very intense on the sidelines and, and really into it. But I, I, one of the things that I really try to keep perspective on is just the intensity of the game in the moment and showing how much I care without ever, you know, going after 
one of our student athletes in terms of anything derogatory, you know, intense, but in, in a positive, in a positive fashion. So how do you do that? How do you keep, you know, as the stakes get higher? I mean, here you're at Division One, right? Uh, taking a program, you know, rebuilding it. How do you keep that passion for becoming successful uh, and harness it towards the positive? So, so actually, I started. I was at Hofstra and, and Fordham, which are Division One institutions, and, and at Adelphi, we're in the Northeast Ten, which is. Uh, probably one of the, the, the prominent Division II co uh, um, divisions, one of the prominent Division II schools in the nation. Um, and our conference uh, is really, the Northeast End is a very powerful conference from head to toe. But, you know, you, you just have to, you have to be mindful. And, and look, you, you're, you know, your your profession, you're, it's wild looking at you now, you know, doc, you know doctor. But to, there's a lot of similarities when you're on the sideline with coaching. On, on how to motivate people and and having and knowing you know what's going to push people and and you're, you're you're not only doing basketball stuff there's um you know you're you're, you're you have to be very mindful of everything because you're with on our team this year we had a lot of people we had 17 guys on the team so you you have to keep in mind how how am I, how is what i'm doing going to impact everyone now look some guys are motivated a little differently than others right but but with that, we you know I, I try to keep everything in perspective. Where just knowing, and and it's it's difficult at times, but it, 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 at the same time, I knew I knew what I liked and I know what I didn't like as a player, and I I don't I don't want to do anything that I didn't like. Some people in life, right? Some people do what they grew up having done to them. So that's one style. But for me, I kind of try to take it the other way, where if I know that I really didn't like something or didn't think something was appropriate or really got me motivated as a player or a person, I, I take the other way and try to do to to and hold myself um, to a level where I, I wouldn't have want, wanted that done to me. What's one uh, or what's a few of the things you learned from Coach Wright? I mean, obviously, you know, inducted into the was he inducted in the Hall of Fame or just just? Yes, he was. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously retired after leaving a legacy at Villanova. Uh, what what was it like? You know, obviously, so composed, always professional. How do you, what do you take away from being with, around him on a day to day? For me, what was really cool about it, uh, for, for lack of a better word, was I, I got into the business when I was 22, right? So I did a year of grad school and I stepped away from the game for a little bit. So I did a year of grad school and then I, I went, I played at New York Tech for a year. I was going to possibly go back to Israel to play and I got there late. That's a story within itself. And then I went to New York Tech to have it on my resume in, in, in the event that I wanted to go back the following year to play. and. I decided that year I wanted to coach and I'm going to kind of give you a little bit of the story. Then I'll get to coach right. And then, and then from my year at New York tech, I said, you know, this has been a really cool experience. I, I think that after being here, I would like to get into it. I had no idea about the coaching world and, and what it took. I just said to myself, you know, I'd rather start my career younger. So I wound up telling my coach, he always used to talk that he knew the strength and conditioning coach at Hofstra. 
So one day he and I were talking and I said, you know, would you mind calling your friend? I would love to be a grad graduate assistant. It was just like a thing. Everybody hears the term graduate assistant. After, there was no graduate assistant. So my, my graduate assistantship was I paid to go to school, right? I paid for, you know, nine credits for the semester. That's full time in graduate school. So I paid to go to school and I worked like 80 to 100 hours a week. You know, I, was <laughs> I grew up, you know, 15, 20 minutes away in, in Queens. So it wasn't a far trip. So I was living home. You know, my, my parents were, you know, great people. So they allowed me to just, you know, stay there without any rent or anything. And uh, and then I had no idea. Jay Wright was already kind of, you know, he he was there and he had been there for a few years. And then they, the year before I got there, they had a, a winning season. But I had no idea what he was all about. And then uh, I went to work at a, his camp. That was my first uh, uh, job for them was I, I worked their night camp and their, their their evening camp and then their overnight camp. And then I, I met him. And as soon as I met him, like instantly, you could just tell, you could just tell he had that it factor, right? That everybody talks about. He was just so positive. And I could tell this is somebody that I was going to really want to, to emulate. And I was young, I was a sponge. And so it didn't matter what it was. I would just follow him around. If we were at a, a work dinner, I wouldn't leave until he left. And I would just watch him interact with people. And it was, people were like, who, who, what is he, who is this guy like right behind? What is he doing? So I was fortunate that from the, the social component, because in college athletics, you're doing so many things. It's not only the coaching, it's really a pie chart that's divided into a, a lot of different tasks. So I got to just be around him. And then from the on the basketball side of things, you just learn that attention to detail, everything matters when you, when you watched his Hofstra teams, when you watched the Villanova teams, every possession mattered, like playing hard all the time. Every little thing, Talk about dotting our eyes and crossing our teeth. Every loose ball, every rebound, competing. Everything, everything matters. And, and that was one of the things that I learned. There's, there's, if, if you want to really win and win big, and this is one of the things that I, as, that I try to get with my guys about all the time, our guys about all the time, is we, we have to understand the importance of every single possession, every single. And, and those, that was a really big deal. Of course, the X's and the O's. You, you know, I, I got to learn from him. Um, that's, you know, more of the, the, the details of it. But the big picture was just understanding how important everything is. There's nothing that happens during a game that doesn't matter. Because, you know, some people agree with momentum. Some people don't agree with the whole philosophy behind momentum. I happen to agree with it. And you never know what's going to swing that, you know, momentum. And so everything matters. And that and that's one of the things when when I'm coaching, we could be up 20 and you just you never know what's going to go to happen. You can't take anything for granted. Yeah. Look at Miami, Texas this past weekend. Right. Absolutely. Can happen to the best teams in the nation up 14 in the second half. Right. You just take your focus off. Give a, give your opponent a little bit of confidence. That's it. Just a little bit of confidence. That it, they, it, see it, a, they see a few things go through, and they're like, "Oh, that that's all it takes." And you could really be playing great, and you're all you're you're dominating the game, dominating the game, and then it's just a couple of possessions. 
kind of, you know, when you get it under 15, you're like, okay, we're crawling back. And the difficult thing is in games like that, everybody talks about when you talk about end of game situations, practicing, it's that, that people work on that. I'll tell you another thing that's very difficult to do. It's very difficult when you have a large lead in a game to play your regular style. So that's also something you want to practice. And you don't want to come off to the to, to your team, male, female, you know, whatever it may or may not be, right? You don't, you don't, you don't want to come off like you're trying to be arrogant, but in practice, and sometimes you have to practice if you're up 12, 15, or 20, whatever team you're coaching, because when you start to lose those leads, like you were just talking about the other night, you know, the the, the for, for us, the student athletes, you, you can tell it's it's the psychology of it. You start to lose confidence and so much of it is confidence. And I was talking to a friend of mine who's a who's a high school coach the other day and, and his team had lost the game. They were up big and then they wound up losing big. And they said, and I, this is one of the things that we talk about. Yeah, you have to actually have every situation, even again when you're up 20, because you start to play tentative. Do we want to run the clock? You got up 20 for a reason because you were playing your game. And then you don't want, then you start playing a little bit scared when you're up 20 because you start to play to not lose the game rather than win the game. Right. It happened, I think, to UCLA the other night, too. And that's one of the best coaches in the nation. So, right. So do you, do you practice scenarios so the players feel like they've been in them before? Every you, you try to go over every scenario. You know, very often, like I said, it's usually end the game situations. We're up one, we're up two, we're down one, we're down two, we're down three. You know, we're up three. Do we foul? Do we do we do we try to play this possession out? Do we switch everything? But then there's also we're up 10. We have to go over one and ones. We're up 15 and just have to be comfortable like you've been in every situation. Wow. So so you made the jump. You went from Hofstra, and then so your networking paid off. How long did it take till you got the call? So so what happened? What happened was I stayed with you know I, I stayed at Hofstra. I was with Coach Wright, and then when 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 he left, uh, or the assistant Tom Pacora took over the job, and so I, I wound up staying with him. And then we we were fortunate. We had really nice success at Hofstra, and you know we had just. Just missed the NCAA tournament in 2006. We were the team that was on the bubble. It was us and George Mason. We were both in the Colonial at the time before George Mason moved to the Atlantic 10. And it was a, it was a great story. We we had beaten them twice the last ten game the last ten days of the season. Wow. We lose we lose to Wilmington in the conference uh, conference finals. And then you know we're thinking we're in with RPI at 26. And and then in the last minute we you know. We were in the room with the, the bubble team and the bubble burst. And the thing is that year, what's difficult to argue is that was the year George Mason made the final four. Wow. <laughs> and you beat them twice. So, so it's a really, it was just a good, it was a good matchup for us. And that's why watching coach Larinaga, he, he's a, he's an incredible coach. And I was fortunate that I was not the head coach at the time, but I got to coach against his teams as an assistant coach in person and and know some of the things that they do but a tremendous coach wow and he seems to create wonderful chemistry yeah as well well wishing them luck this weekend i don't know that's a daunting daunting task tough game <laughs> but anything's possible this year 
When we look at those, absolutely. You know, there's so much power. It's great. It's a really fun tournament. And what do you think about, you know, Coach Dusty May, Florida Atlantic? You know, they ask him, what do you think about your player's performance? And, and the first thing he says is, well, he's a great guy. He's uh, majoring in this. He's he, he gives a whole description of who the person is. He didn't comment on, you know, it's great that he made his last six free throws, right? It, 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 it's nice because so often, you know, they, there's it's all about it's basketball, you know, and they're, and they're you know, wonderful young men. You hear the stories and it's he's I don't know him. I've never interacted with him, but it seems like a terrific, obviously a terrific coach, but seems like a terrific guy. Yeah, well, any guy who coached at Florida has to be a good guy. That's my alma mater. Or uh, Billy D, Billy D from Long Island. Have you ever met him? Uh, you know, I don't think, looking at it, I've been to Final Fours with him and, and different. What's nice about recruiting is you're just sitting amongst all the coaches when you're at the events. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't think that I, I personally met Billy D. And he's, he's a local guy. Right, he's right, right over here in, in, in Rockwell Town. So he's, he's a local legend, as you know, from your hometown. Maybe you should invite him when you have another uh, alumni game at Adelphi. I'd, yeah. I'd be down. <laughs> there you go. There That'd be a go. good matchup for you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he, he's an amazing coach, and he was some player, too. Did you ever well, play when you were home? I played against him when I was in school there. They, I won a three-on-three -three tournament. And you got to play the coaches. And if you beat the coaches, you got to fly with the Gators all year long. And uh, it was it – was, What did you do? Huh? Who were the other two coaches? Uh, one was uh, – is his, I don't know if I remember his first name, but Pelfrey from Kentucky. Oh, yeah. Pelfrey was pretty good. Yeah, well, that's the problem, right? He's like 6'8". And so we beat him the first game, and then all of a sudden, Pelfrey started dunking on me. And uh, <laughs> well, we had a good chat about Rockville Center. I got some swag. That's, That's as close awesome. as I came to. So, if you're Division Three talent, don't go to a Division One school and expect to beat the coaches. That was the lesson of the day. But <laughs> lessons learned. Exactly. No, my claim to fame uh, with basketball is that I broke Marla Maple's toe in a pickup game. So, hope she, she she's forgiven me. <laughs> <laughs> she's got a good jump shot. Apparently, she played collegiate ball. It's really? I didn't know that. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Little known facts. <laughs> oh, that's a, 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 a nice fun fact. <laughs> So, um, talk to me about you, what you got working on now. How do you you, you got to do all the recruiting? You still, I mean, how do you keep the balance? You're you're running practices already now. Is that spring season? What are you What are you working on? So it, it's very seasonal, and, and it's funny when 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 people who aren't as familiar with 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 sports, you know, especially I'm more familiar with collegiate sports, is that there's always the next part of the year. You know, some people say to me, "Well, your season ended." Well. What do you do now? You just go away for a while? I say, not exactly. So we'll rewind it to, to September. You have your preseason. You get your, your, your student athletes start uh, a week into school. And then you go preseason, October 15th-ish. The rule change can start a little earlier, but right around there. You go into your practices through the end of the season. Then your, 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 your team gets two weeks off. And now we're in post-season workouts, which is a ton of just individual skill work. And recruiting never stops. Recruiting goes all the way. 
And then when the, when the when the student athletes go home at the end of May, um, we'll have I'll have camps. So then you go into camp season and recruiting season. And then when that concludes, August, hopefully you give yourself a week or two, and then you're ready to go again for the preseason, and then into your season in in, in September. So it's just it's a it's a cycle that just keeps on moving. But we're in we're we're in postseason workouts right now. We're doing smaller groups. We're doing groups of four. So we could really, really concentrate on on some of the deficiencies that we had that I thought we could have do, done a better job, done a better job with. And when you do the camps, are those for only your players or those for uh, walk-ons or so, so, so the camps, so the camps are for the camps are for for for, for youth. It's, it's youth basketball camps. So it, it's a lot of fun. It's uh, they come in. It's for the local kids. Well, it's really for anybody, but but of course, it's it's easy for the local kids. We have a beautiful facility, and so they come in. Uh, all, all our guys work the camp, so it's nice to have them around. It's it, it's it's fun. We're doing a couple of weeks this summer, so it's a good time to get our guys back on campus. They get to hang out. They get to do some team bonding and, and have some fun. So what's the secret for you, Coach Duke? What do you do? Do you take naps on the Long Island Railroad? How do you get time, downtime? How do you, how do you keep your family balanced? You're a family man. I mean, coaching can become uh, a religion. Like you said, there's 17 basketball tournaments going on now. There's international play. How do you do it? it, it it's tough. One of the things that, that I have done for the first time, I, I started taking the railroad, right? So I really started to take the, the Long Island Railroad. Um, during COVID, the traffic was a breeze, and I, I really got used to that. And then post-COVID, when people weren't taking public transportation anymore, I went the other way. So, so yeah, no, it's uh, it really is a consuming profession because it's something that you love, and it's so important. I'm you know I'm I'm halfway through your book at the moment, and doing Thank something you. doing something you love is really important, and so I. It's always on your mind. It's good and it's bad because it is always on your mind and, and finding your, uh, I can't recall the terms you use for it, but you're finding the ways for you to, whether it's a hike, a walk, or, you know, how you list those, those items in the book, trying to find ways to, to, you know, give yourself clarity. Not always easy, right? But you, it, it's a situation where sometimes you just have to break away from it. When, you, when, I'm, when I'm home, you know, just trying to, Trying is the key word, not be uh, all consumed with the team. And, and you just go into family time. Yeah, that's a good point for someone like yourself who also loves basketball. Is is part of your self-care, is it still, you know, shooting a couple hoops? Or or do you need to fully get away from the court to clear you your know, brain? I don't really – I haven't just shot hoops in a long time, right? I, I really just haven't shot hoops in a really long time. Because the best time for me to do it would be here while I'm, you know, here while, while I'm working, I should say. But when I'm home, I, I would say the, the free time, not as much basketball anymore when I'm just trying to, to clear my mind. Look, if when you're in town and some guys that I know are getting together for a pickup game, that would definitely be something. But <laughs> during the free time for me, just going to a cafe, having a having a coffee, and and just kind of relaxing from there is is, is probably how I would say my, my free time goes. 
I did pick up a little bit of golf and I've always played some tennis. So those are the golf is a is a work in progress and and tennis I just don't get well you're a competitive guy. So how do you do when you're you're well behind the back? Oh <laughs> uh, it, it, it is it's time. That's the thing with, with golf that's tough is, is are there any YouTube videos out there of you smashing clubs or no, no I'm, I'm not yet. <laughs> not yet. Um, I, I was fortunate. We're we're right next to Cherry Valley Golf Club, right? And the and the old pro, his his son is a good friend of mine. So I was fortunate that that he helped me with some lessons, and I felt like I got a nice start. But going out there sometimes, oh, it's a frustrating game, right? Um, but but yeah, so competitive is that my, my downtime? If I'm not at a cafe, I love the golf, tennis, and and ping pong. Love playing ping pong. I grew up. My dad is an amazing ping pong player amazing and uh still still i don't have a shot when we're out there together but um those are probably my my escapes and for, to 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 enjoy myself i love it and, and and i like it that you said that and for, for all my listeners to clarify right it's this kind of attempt this conscious attempt to constantly be looking for the fun or the play and it's really difficult as a sports parent as a coach, as somebody who wants to keep pushing themselves to find things and not have it be another game, because I could be at sporting events every night of the week. I know what you mean. And, and, and it's hard to know when is it turning off and when is it just the default operating system? Um, you know, I had a friend invite me to do a charity bike race on Sunday. To me, that was fun because, and I saw the opportunity They put the leaderboard up there. And they said, do you want to do leader? Do you want to do competition or community? And I was like, community. I know I have to say that. Right? And I laughed. I know one of the, the doctors was there and he got like a head start and he was number one on the board. I was laughing. You know, you know? I was like, because there has to be this time to kind of down regulate. If you're an athlete, if you're super competitive, if you work in a high stress profession, you're, you need that time at the cafe, not just for the coffee, but either to sit still to look at your journal, to look at your newspaper, look at someone you're sitting with, just the act of making eye contact like we're sitting right now, immediately your stress drops. Yeah, for for sure. You could you could feel it. You know, there's there's no there's no question about it. No question. And, and it's funny when you say that about the competitiveness. I took um I took I went to a flywheel class when uh, on on the uh what what on, on the spin, right? And I didn't even know what it was. So a friend of mine had, had asked me to go and I went and I see the, you know, they have the whole, there was the board. And I was like, oh boy, here we, here we go. Eyes light up. I'm like, this workout is going to be about a hundred times more intense than I thought it was when I was coming here. But that's where the competitive is. Yeah, it's great for your adrenal. It got me up like it got my heart rate up. I felt all the endorphins, but you know, we have to be careful if that's where we live all the time. It can be kind of an adrenaline drunk junkie kind of thing. And uh, especially for those looking to build or, or maintain relationships, uh, our partners need to see our eyes and, and we need to see them. I was talking to my coworker yesterday. We eat lunch together a few times a week. I'm at the hospital two days a week. And I don't even know there was a real conversation, but I was, listening when she was talking at least trying to the, the mental chatter wasn't it was a difficult day my mind was racing but i and and i was able to say like hey i, I don't know that i'm really that present but thank you 
Thank you for just sitting with me. We were trying. Even if the attunement is not there, when somebody else is at least, you can have that buddy or that friend to be like, hey, can we take a walk? Or can I just blow off some steam? And we all need that, right? I mean, especially, right, your brain is running through, you know, a million different plays, every different person under your uh, responsibility, and anyone that could be, plus your own family. It's a lot to hold. It's a lot. There's a lot. And then, you know, then during the season, you know, you have the highs of the high when you have a have a, a win, a win. Never mind like a last second win. Just any winning is. And then you have the tough ones. You know, we lost a handful of games that, this this year by by one possession. So while this this is the off season when you're all the stuff's going on, then during the season when things are happening and and trying to to manage, you know, trying to keep things in perspective, and, mm. and you know, not letting it affect. I always, what I've really started to do more, really, and in this year we were, you know, a little up and down this season. Uh, this season we were a very young team, but you really start to, you have to really, and it's not cliche when you're speaking with coaches or or people in in, in general. You have to enjoy the good things and the success while they're happening right you, because when it's like when we win a game it's like on to the next one like i i always kid around well not really kidding but half kid when i tell like my uh, good friends or my sisters my favorite time when we're when we're playing a game is when the last like 20 seconds of the game i know we're up like 10 points and i know we, sh we should you know barring anything crazy uh we should win the game and then as soon as the horn goes off it's like I shake the other coach's hand and then it's on to the next one. And you have to enjoy a little bit. You know, you have to be able to enjoy because when things don't go that way and it's not a, a, a in the win column, it's like it's just consuming. Right. And that's where you have to find ways to, you know, to unplug and, and, and find ways just to, to keep yourself you know, grounded and in a, in, a, in, a, in a well, you know, and just in a, in a healthy and well uh, state to, to keep yourself occupied the right way. Yeah, that's a good. So how do you do that? How, how um, do you do that personally? And how do you encourage that in your team to hold the celebration for a moment? So in the, after when we win games, I'm always whatever it is, whoever it is, always quick to tell the guys, enjoy it. Winning is so hard. You know, I'm watching, let's just use FAU, right? Like, I'm, I'm watching what they've done, and people say, well, they beat this team, and they won, like, 35 games, I think it is. Winning is so challenging, right? And so I always tell that to the team. There was one time, not this season, uh, the la last season, when we were up big, and then when the other team cut it down, and we almost lost it, but in the end, we were able to really just, just pull it out. And a couple of the guys were disappointed when we got in the locker room. And I said, absolutely not. I said, you had the mental fortitude to, 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 to hang in there. It's not exactly how we wanted to write it up, but in, enjoy it. You have to enjoy the win. Let's learn from the things we could have, uh, could have done better. But you have to enjoy it because you can't, you just can't beat yourself up over everything, right? You have to enjoy the W's because we know we're not going to when we don't get them. And the flip side, how do you have a short memory and throw out the uh, the difficult losses? Oh, that's not so easy. You and I got you and I could use a few sessions on that one. That is uh, 
not so it's not that's not so easy uh that's a that's a that's a work in progress as well Well, it stays with you for so many reasons the 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 reason that the loss that we went through sticks with me is because it was such a great team and we were playing so well Mm. at least for a half and then it's like a bunch of foul calls i don't even know how they got in the game and then all of a sudden a strange referee decision. I wasn't quite, you know, it's like it, it could just feel like it gets away from you real suddenly and, and it like you don't even know how it happened. So I think that feeling, plus it was just so exciting. It was just, it felt like that team deserved to win. I know everyone team feels that way, but. We had so much, we had so much chemistry. We really did. We had, you used that term before. We had so much chemistry on the team uh, that I totally agree with you that we were playing very well. It's taking me back right now to that time. And I can even tell you how the first half ended is when the tide started turning, when they came down and hit a three-point shot. Going into the half from 20 went down to 17. And that's my point of the momentum, where you never know what play it's going to be. But that's where, when when you're into this sport, you remember, you can remember almost every single play that that happens yeah you see coaches who write the why are they calling timeout with 58 seconds left well they want to win the half and get two for one they want to make sure they get right exactly those are the you have to and you have to make sure again you got to make sure you're trying to do everything but it's funny going into that half they hit a three and no and it's hard for your listeners to understand it right when we were going through it it was such a close-knit team we were having so much fun and it was just so devastating that's really what it is you get but but nothing can take that away i will say you know when you have that chemistry when you have those friendships it is bigger than the game um you know and, and you don't forget you know you wouldn't you wouldn't trade the relationships for the result uh and so that that i think puts a lot of fo- for coaches out there and i've seen a lot of different kinds who really put the energy into the the process even from the youth coaches who are helping the kids form relationships off the court um that handle losing streaks uh with grace right rather than triggering a lot of your own you know a lot of things are going to get triggered as being a coach when you're losing <laughs> when you yourself don't know how to stop it. So um, where do you go? Where do you go when you're having those kind of feelings to keep it from getting to your players? You know, it's it's really, it's an interesting thing because that's probably when I try to be really at my calmest because that's when we all have to stick together. There's so many, in coaching, you hear so many cliches, right? Um, you know, the true man shows when it, the true person, I should say, shows when adversity strikes, right? And and, and it's really true. And I, and I speak with our team about that a lot when we're going through a tough time, is that we all have to stick together. We, we never like to get too high, never like to get too low. And I I have my stuff when I don't forget games and all of that. But I I, I don't really, that that's more of an internal thing that I have to do a better job processing because... I won't let them see it or know it or feel it because once they start to, then you put it in an incredible amount of stress and pressure that's totally unnecessary for them to have. And so try to be really calm, knowing it's just about working ourselves 
way back. We know we're really good. We're, you know, we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get through. We're gonna go in and get through it together. And that's the only way to do it. Doesn't have no no extra yelling, screaming. We all know that we all want to win. And if we stick together, we'll be in great shape. But if we don't, it's not going to happen by one person. Well said. Well said indeed. Well, Coach, how what are we looking forward to next season? How can our listeners learn more about you and your program uh, and get highlight reels of you at JP Cordoza? <laughs> well, YouTube wasn't around then, so that's what I didn't do, and I still have to get my old VHS transferred onto uh, DVDs. But we have a very young team. Uh, we're fortunate. We had the Rookie of the Year on the team. We had another uh, all-rookie player, two other awesome um, first-year guys that were terrific. So we have a very young team, so it's going to be exciting. We're looking forward to it. And, you know, we're you're always welcome to – to, to log on to, to the website, you know, Adelphi and at Adelphi MBB is our Instagram, right? And it's uh it's a nice way to, to see what we have going on. But it's it's going, I'm I'm really looking forward. We're in the, the throes of recruiting right now, but I, I I'm really excited about what the future holds for for our group of uh, of young men. And can uh can our listeners watch any of your games on the internet? Yeah, absolutely. You, you, when you, when you go to our schedule, you go when when you're on the website, you you look into, you'll see any ten. You, you hit the link for any ten now, and then you can see the live events while they're happening. You can go back and watch on demand uh, for any of the past games, and it's uh, it's all on the schedule next season or, or, or seasonal start the, the second week of November, right around the weekend of November 9th or 10th, right around there. And it'd be great. I would, you know, I would love to, to have your listeners tune in and, and watch our, watch our team play. And I heard you, you, you're really calm. I heard there was only one technical spotted last year. Ah, I'll tell you what. And, 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 and there was, there've only, there've only been two in my career. The, the first one was on a goaltend when I asked the ref why. And, of course, I'm being very subjective about it. But this one was going into halftime with no one out. I still can't understand why I got the technical foul. Nobody was on the court. I just wanted an explanation. And the other day, to assist his, his, his two colleagues ran over and teed me up. I said, what's going on? But two two technicals in my career was my first technical in league play in AC. <laughs> That's incredible. It's one of the worst feelings. There's so much misunderstanding when you get that technical. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> there should be some clear laws about how much questioning can I do. And it's really very subjective depending on the referee. I said I tried to, to do it when nobody else was on the court. I said, well, how much more private can I get than this? They gave me one anyway. <laughs> Our team didn't even know. Our team didn't know. They were in the locker room, and I'm so against technical fouls because they, they lead to, like, really important possessions. I went and I was like, guys, you're not going to believe it. I just got a technical foul. So they came out? There were more points on the board? They had a shooter when we came out, but uh, they, they there was a situation that happened as we were leaving the court to them, so they knew why, but they were a bit surprised because – I typically, I'm not into technical fouls for anybody, myself even included. For, even a good team building tech like that. Exactly. <laughs> well, Coach, thank you for your time. I hope we uh, do the next one from from 
pregame or postgame. That would be fun after a great win. I know yes. uh, we got to process the loss together, but it will always be a lot more enjoyable <laughs> after a win. <laughs> That's right. Whatever it is, we will enjoy it. And uh, wishing you only love and, and success with your family and with the next season and, and finding time for you so you can continue to grow and, and have the mental fortitude to see the vision for where you want your team to grow. And Thank it's great reconnecting. Thank Any you final closing thoughts for our listeners or young, young basketball players out there grinding it out? Have fun. Make sure you are having fun. Nothing is more important than that. As uh, whatever sport, whatever you're doing, that's what I'm really big on. Make sure you're enjoying yourself. You're having fun doing it. Really, is in the youth in any sport, especially when you're in the youth sports. It's not professional. Enjoy yourself. Uh, make the most of it. Use it to to help you whether it's you know, peace of mind, whether it's uh, to help you get into schools, whatever it is, have a, great, have a great time doing it. And that is the ultimate message that anybody, anybody could have. Coach David Duke, it's my honor. Well, honor's all mine. Great. I'm so proud of all your success. Thank you, brother. Thank you all for tuning in and being here so I can introduce my world to you, my friends my colleagues, amazing influencers who are still out there grinding it, coaching, working hard to be family members, community members, athletes, coaches, and um, sharing stories of bitter losses and lifelong friendships. I'm Richard Listens. Thank you for being in my life. And I'm out.